You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook.
how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all have obeyed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, and there are words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, Paul sets up sort of these rhetorical questions in this letter that he's written. And if you're a visual learner like me, it might be helpful to see the, these questions that he's laid out because each of these questions leads into another and it sort of forms a chain. So again, if you're a visual learner like me, it might be helpful to see these questions laid out in a way that they feed into each other. So um, the, I used to be an education major, so this, this is how I am <laughs> using that. So Paul, he starts up at the top of the chain instead of where the chain actually starts. He's saying that if there's no one who's, how can someone call if they can't, the, excuse me, if they don't believe? How can someone believe if they have not heard? How can someone hear if no one has proclaimed? And how can someone proclaim if no one has been sent? Now, if we flip this and start up at the, start at the beginning, that, oh, no, go back before, sorry. If we, if we are to start where the chain starts, that I am sent. And if I'm sent, I'm going to proclaim. And some of your translations might use the word preach or they might to go tell. But if I'm sent, I'm, I'm going to go tell the good news. And if I'm telling, then I'm not just speaking this out into the void, but there are ears mm-hmm. to hear this. And if there are ears to hear, then they might believe. And if they believe, might call to God. And if we're to back up, verse 13 actually says that everyone who calls on God will be saved. So this, this chain, this that are all linked of questions that lead into one another, this is actually what Jesus sends us out to do. This is actually the mission that Jesus has for us, that in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, that he says to go and make disciples of all nations. And in Acts, he tells the apostles that the Holy Spirit will descend upon them and that they are to go and be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And if you've ever seen a picture of the planet Earth, there, it is round. I hope you all believe that. <laughs> there are no ends to it. So that we are to go out and spread the good news. And that is what Paul has for us here. Now, if you didn't grow up in the church, um, there's this word that is used sometimes that maybe it's kind of Christianese and that that word is witness. But that's really what we're talking about here is to bear witness. So if for you, like me, you weren't raised in the church and you hear that word and you're like, well, what does that even mean? Well, if we were to take the word witness and just strip it of all of its connotations, just ba- what does the word witness basically mean? And it just means that you've seen something and then you talk. And that's what we're talking about here, that you are sent 
and you are to proclaim. You've seen something, and so you proclaim it. And that's what it is to bear witness. So when it's someone in the church or some a Christian friend says that, that's what they're saying. You've seen something, so let's talk about it. Now, if we were to think of the word witness in legal terms, there are typically three types of witnesses that might be called upon. There's the expert witness, there's the character witness, and then there's the eyewitness. And I, I think that these three types of witnesses are actually kind of a three-in-one deal of who we are to be as we witness, as we go out and we share, and as we tell, as we proclaim, that to be an expert witness, a character witness, and an eyewitness are three types of ways that we are to witness in the world. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to break down these three types of ways that you can go out and share in the world. Now that first type of witness, that was an expert witness. And don't let the word expert make you think that that doesn't qualify you. Don't think that the word expert means, oh yeah, I, I don't know this stuff. So that doesn't mean me, so I don't have to do that whole chain thing. Yeah, that's not me. Um, in fact, in, in our scripture that we read this morning, Paul said that how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, people who would have been bringing good news in the context of what Paul's talking about, I'm just going to tell you, their feet would not have been beautiful. They wouldn't have been polished and fresh from the spa, callous removed. No, those feet would have been and they would have been dirty. Maybe some missing toenails. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody who ran track, I can tell you that's a reality. But those are not beautiful feet. And so what that means for us, the good news for us, is that we don't have to be these well-polished, beautiful, I've-got-it-all-together people in order to bring good news. Because how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? And so, don't let that word expert hang you up and tell you that you aren't, you aren't capable or you aren't able for it. You're not qualified because you are. The expert witness is not just the pastor, the seminary graduate, the professor, but the expert witness is you who sit in these chairs now. And there are two ways that we are qualified to be the expert witness. The first is that we're studying this thing. And note that I said studying and not an expert on every little word, every nuance, every theological thing, but that just that you're studying this. That's what qualifies you. And the second thing that qualifies you to be an expert witness of the gospel is a very big thing. I don't know if maybe you can guess it, but it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you is what qualifies you to be the expert witness in the world. These two go hand in hand. And as a witness, you study scripture. So 2 Timothy 3.16, um, verse 16 and 17, it actually says this regarding scripture. That every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped for the task that God has for us. I love that imagery of scripture, that it is God-breathed. 
for me, that is just enough reason to study it in its own. But the thing about the word is that when you study scripture, it also equips us. But studying a scripture alone is not what makes us the expert witness. You can study the Bible all you want, but that in of itself is not what will qualify you to be an expert witness. But that it is the Holy Spirit and the power that comes with it that qualifies us. The Holy Spirit is the qualifier. Mm. And, you live, and it lives in you right now in this moment. And that Jesus promised that he would descend and be a And I hope that that takes some weight off of your chest. That this maybe this weight off your chest of feeling like, oh, I've got to know it all. I have to know all the answers before I can even talk to somebody about the gospel. I hope that that removes that off your chest. Mm. In the moments that maybe you're afraid you don't know enough, or you're afraid that you don't know the answers to people's questions, um, that's okay. I'm here to tell you that that's okay. Because here's what happens when you don't know the answer to something. Say someone asks you, you know, well, you're a Christian. If God is so good like you claim, then why does he allow such crappy things to happen in this world? I use that as an example because it's honestly something I still wrestle with trying to understand and how to answer. But the person who, to the person who's asked this question, here's what you could say. Say, you know, I really don't know the answer to that question right now. And I want you to know that's an okay answer to give. It really is. You don't have to have all the answers in that moment. But what you can tell that person is that I don't have the answer to that right now, but I would really love if we could find a book on this, if we could study it together, and maybe we could figure it out together. And in doing so, you, two opportunities happen. One, there's a learning opportunity for both you and your friend. And then the second opportunity is that there's fellowship in this, that there's an opportunity to come together because someone is more likely to hear if they know who they're hearing it from. So when you come together and you learn together, there is an opportunity for connection. And then there are more opportunities for these conversations to happen and more opportunities for the gospel to be shared and for who God really is to be understood and known. So if the fear of not knowing enough to be a witness is what's stopping you from witnessing, from sharing, from going and proclaiming, then this is my encouragement to you, is that you don't have to know it all. You just have to know the one who created it all. Mm. Now, the second type of witness is the character witness. Um, and if you know who God is and you're studying scripture, my guess is you've probably come to learn that God is good. If you've studied it, if you've read these stories of all that God has done, then you probably know how good God is. And that is what it takes to be a character witness. A character witness is someone who knows someone well enough that they can attest to the reputation and moral conduct of someone. And if you've studied scripture and you know Jesus, then you are able to do this as well. So when you read scripture, what are the characteristics we see in Jesus? We see that he is compassionate. He is loving. He is truthful. He is grace-giving. He is radically generous. He is a servant. He is gentle, an advocate, and he, he is humble. But sadly, I think if you were to ask people who don't know Jesus how they might describe him, I don't know how many of these words they might use. And that's 
sadly, because maybe the Christians they've encountered haven't displayed these characteristics to them. The greatest way that you can bear witness, that you can share the gospel, is by embodying the character of Jesus. Are you compassionate? Are you loving? Are you truthful? Are you grace-giving? Are you radically generous? Are you a servant? Are you gentle? Are you an advocate? Are you humble? And as the saying goes, actions speak louder than words. And what we're finding here is that actions are just as important as words. And that your words and your actions, they should match together. If you're going to proclaim the good news, then you should also embody good news. Uh, Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, who's a gifted pastor and author and a leader in racial reconciliation, um, she says this in her book, A Credible Witness. The message of salvation is more than our verbal proclamation of the gospel. We must redefine evangelism to include how we live and interact with people, what it means to call them into God's family to become members of God's household. This is as important as our ability to accurately quote scriptures. Someone may not remember the words that you used or what you said. Next week, you're probably not going to remember what I'm telling you here. But someone will definitely remember the way you made them feel. And if someone's only encounter with Jesus is through you, what will they learn about him? Now, several years ago, I worked at Starbucks, small coffee. I don't know if you guys are <laughs> <laughs> but I had a coworker there who uh, did not like me. She did not like me. Um, I got the job um, there through a friend who was involved in Young Life, and so she, this friend, this coworker, she she learned that I was involved in Young Life, and that I was a Christian, and so she just immediately was like, "This girl is a no for me," and so she avoided me, or she was just rude to me, and. As a result, I avoided her and just didn't talk to her because who wants to communicate with people like that? Well, as it would be, we ended up on a lot of the same shifts. We were closing, um, we were on the closing shift a lot together and the store is usually emptier at the time. It's mostly just cleaning up at that point. And we ended up talking and getting to know each other more and we became friends. And through this, she actually found that I was actually a nice person. Um, she was shocked to learn that I was funny. Um, <laughs> Christians are funny to her. And, and she, after, after work one night, we went and we got drinks and we were sitting down and she told me, I have never met another Christian like you. You have never made me feel judged. You have never forced anything down my throat. And I just feel drawn like to be, like wanting to be your friend. And initially, I was like, pretty great, I know. Um, but then I was just really sad that of all the Christians she had encountered in her life, in her adult life, up until that point, she had never met a Christian who was kind and not judging of her. With the help of the Spirit, the ways that we interact with non-believers, they can have a profound effect on what they learn about the gospel. What my coworker learned that day about Jesus, or through, over that time of us working together, um, although she may not know exactly that this is what she learned about Jesus, um, but she learned that Jesus is full of grace, that Jesus is kind, and that maybe Jesus is a little funny. If you don't know how to bear witness to the gospel or to share the good news, 
Start here. Start with looking at who Jesus is and then embody it. How are you loving others? How are you serving others? And in doing so, you are bearing witness. You are sharing. You are proclaiming. You are telling. You are preaching who Jesus is. Now, the, the third witness is the eyewitness. And maybe that's the most common form of a witness that you might think of in your head. That's somebody who has seen something, they witnessed an accident, they saw something happen, and then they talk about it. And we can be a witness, not only because we know who Jesus is, we've studied this, we've embodied it, but we can be a witness to Jesus because of what he has done for us. Someone who has seen what he has done, and then they talk about it, they proclaim it. When you reflect on your life, your walk with Jesus, what have you seen him do in you? I know for me, it's, it's a miracle that I'm even standing here talking to you about this. That God would choose to love me and use me and work through me, who is a hot mess 98% of the day, and still love me and choose me. And that's a miracle to me. And I'm amazed by it. So when you reflect on what God has done for you, are you amazed by it? When you witness something amazing and incredible, don't you just want to tell everybody about it? Um, now, some of you may know this, that I have a five-year-old daughter whose name is Nora. Now, about six months ago, something incredible happened to Nora. She lost two teeth. <laughs> These things she's been chomping down with just came out of her mouth, and she, like, not just one tooth either, two teeth, like within a week span of each other, and her mind was just blown. And then of course, this happened around the same time that she had her fifth birthday. And so she was just like living the dream. Like she lost two teeth, she's five years old, and she told that to everybody. Every friend, every family member, the second they like made eye contact with her. I lost two teeth and I'm five, like so excited. And like, not just friends and family, like we'd go to the grocery store and as soon as the cashier like made eye contact with her, it was like she's pulling her lip down, showing her teeth, telling them that she's five eggs. Everybody around Nora at this time of her life knew that she lost two teeth and she was five. It's honestly the kind of energy I wish I had. I really do. Um, I wish that I were just so amazed by what Jesus has done for me, what he's done in my life that I just cannot help but tell every single person I encounter about it. Maybe I don't do this out of fear, like we talked about. Maybe I'm afraid that I just don't know enough, and so I'm just going to keep it to myself. Or maybe it's just complacency. Maybe it's that I don't really care that there are people out there who don't know who Jesus is. Or maybe it's because I've become blind to what he's doing, or somehow forgotten what he's done for me, and has done for me, does in me. I don't know if any of that resonates with any of you. Mm -hmm. But here's what I do know. Jesus wants us to be his witnesses. He, he wants us to go and share the gospel, to proclaim, to go and tell. And my guess is if you're here, sitting in a chair this morning, that you have seen Jesus do something. Mm -hmm. You have seen something. So you're halfway there to being an eyewitness because being an eyewitness is seeing something. So the second part is to then tell something, to say something about what it is we've seen. So what have you seen?
Because what has been done isn't made to just stay in there, but it is meant to be worked through us. What happens in here is meant to be worked out here. The theologian um, N.T. Wright says this, The work of salvation, in its full sense, is about what God does through us, not merely what God does in and for us. So it's not, salvation is not just what's in here, but is what is worked out of us. And the work of salvation isn't meant to stay with you. So that chain that we, the chain of questions that we looked at at the beginning, it actually is kind of a two-part. So we've got, it actually started with someone being sent. Someone else was sent, and then they <laughs> shared the news. They proclaimed, and then you heard, and then you believed, and then you called upon God who saved you. And in doing so, you get brought down to here, that you are sent, that you for others to hear that they might believe and that they also might call. And that this reaction just keeps happening like this and like this and like this. That others hear and believe and then that they're sent and then that they hear and believe and then they're sent and then it happens and it happens because God wants a group of witnesses. God wants a group of us, the world of us, to proclaim who he is. Because how much stronger is a story when there is more than one witness? We, as a church, can bear witness, can share what God has done here. And that story of the gospel becomes that much louder, that much louder, and that much clearer. So your story and what God has done for you, it's meant to be shared. When someone begins to ask questions about who God is, you can tell them, you know, this is what he's done for me. This is what I know about God. And sharing your story has a huge impact on that person because it becomes more personal. Like we said before, someone is more likely to understand and believe when who the person they're hearing it from, they believe and trust. But if I were to try out a new cleaning product, my stovetop, it needs an <laughs> And if you were to tell me that you've got this product and it's sparkly clean and it's the way to go, I would I would go out and buy that product because I believe you. It's the reason that when we try a new restaurant, we read reviews, we want to know what other people have experienced. And so it's our responsibility, it is our job to share what goodness God has done for us. So when someone hears how God has worked in your life personally, it'll speak so don't keep it inside. Share how you've seen God move. What has God done for you? And what can he do through you? Ask him this week. Ask him as you leave. What times can he point in your life and say, there he was? My hope for us is that we never drift too far from those times and that they might never become distant memories. So what I want you to do if you've got someone in your mind that you know, so I mean, it's a coworker, it's a family member, someone you know, and their, their name is just in your head, I want you to write that down. And if you don't have a name in your head, I want you to ask God to show you the circle of people around you and ask him how you might be able to share the good news with them, how you might embody Jesus with them, how you might share what God has done through you with them. That is my prayer as we leave this place. That we would, 
people who are sent, that we be rooted in the fact that we are sent. That is the firm foundation. We are sent by God. That is unchanging. And that we would then be sent, that we would share, that others might hear, and that they might believe, and that they too might call upon God and be saved. That's my prayer for us as we leave today. Would you pray with me?